Get out the insurance cards, get out the co-pays. The office is open, my friends, as this video is brought to you by DrRoto.com. Hello and welcome into the week seven edition of the Pros with Joe's podcast. I'm your host, John Dansby, and we're here to talk about NFL news, league news, and the week that was by Mageddon. With me, as always, is my spooky, scary skeleton partner, co-founder of the league, Mr. Eric Romoff. Eric, last week was extra frightening due to the amount of key players on buys. Uh, we'll obviously talk more about that, but what else do we have tonight on this ghoulicious edition of the podcast? Yeah, we don't beat themes to death at all because it is spooky <laughs> season here on the Pros with Joe's podcast and no place more so than looking at some of these box scores across the leagues, right? Uh, uh, we you, you mentioned by Mageddon, obviously, a number of teams were without some of their highest point producing players. And the matchups that we'll touch on a little bit later certainly reflected that. Uh, taking a look across the league, number of big storylines to to keep keep an eye on, uh, mostly to do with trades and exclusively to do on the trading front with the Houston Texans. So we saw them make a trade yesterday, and it's not the trade we've all been waiting for. They sent Mark Ingram to uh, the New Orleans Saints to reunite with the team that drafted him. Uh, there are still rumors abuzz in terms of what is going to happen and how it will all play out with Deshaun Watson. These are all things that we spend a good amount of time with with our guest tonight, uh, Mr. Bob Harris of the Football Diehard. So I won't uh, bury the lead on that front. And and really zooming out in terms of uh, on-field action, the, the biggest storyline for me are these Kansas City Chiefs, right? We saw... Tennessee uh, absolutely boat raced this team, uh, winning 27-3 in, in Week 7. So, so John, I would, I'd love to get your thoughts on what exactly happened in that game. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I, I think, uh, I, I think it was our guest MG uh, that that kind of coined the term, at least for me, uh, the Kansas City Cheeks. And you know, as as the season wears on, it seems like they just keep revealing their their cheeks out there to to just get reamed uh and you know on on the other side of the coin you've got a a five and two tennessee titans team with ryan Tannehill at the at the helm i mean obviously having derrick henry is a a boon for your offense um but you know nobody expected a three and four chiefs and a five and two titans team uh at this point in the season um but you know, I you start to wonder, can it get any worse for Kansas City? We know their defense is is abysmal, but they depend on that almost air raid type offense to keep up with with the teams. But you know, obviously they did not get in the end zone last week, so you know, it, it, at this point, do you start tanking for for a for a good draft pick in in the in the draft next year or you know are we are we trying to 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 write the ship for kansas city uh you know it it remains to be seen but they did not have a good showing this week for sure yeah i don't know if it's quite at the point where they're they're going to to head into tank mode right um they they certainly have a lot of uh elite pieces across their roster but sure. i i do think it's fair to question 
whether or not this team will make the playoffs even right yeah. they're sitting at sitting at three and four um they're the they're in the basement they're in the cellar of their division and if you look across the remainder of their schedule i mean best case scenario they've got like three or four more wins that are clear wins on on the schedule um so i, I think it's going to be a fight and i i do think uh it it has a lot to do with that defense that you made mention of right yeah this this team um is certainly very capable on the offensive side but you know we've seen pretty quickly that if they find themselves in a de- deficit that's just too much to to uh, mount a comeback on these gimmicky questionable risky plays that pat mahomes has sort of staked his career on now all of a sudden you know break an inch to the right or to the left and end up being a pick or look like uh you know a, a horrendous miscue um so i i think this is a bit of regression rearing its face but Ultimately, the Chiefs have dug themselves a hole that I'm not sure they're going to be able to get out of in in the 2021 season. Yeah, agreed. And you know, like you said, they've got all the parts. It's just they're not they're not firing on on the right cylinders, or the timing's off. And you know, it, it really adds up when you're giving up you know 27 points to a Titans team that is, for all intents and purposes, a one dimensional offense. Uh, you know, stack the box. You've you've stopped a lot of their offensive production. Uh, but you know, Kansas city's not doing that. So, uh, when their offense sputters, their season sputters. And I think you were, we're really starting to see that. Yeah, com- completely agreed that that too high shell that everyone is running against them really seems to have, uh, muddied the waters for, for this prolific offense. So <laughs> certainly a storyline to keep an eye on. So in, in, in other news this week, we had, uh, uh, I guess, really our, our first kind of COVID outbreak uh, up in Wisconsin. Uh, we've, got, we've got a Thursday night game that we'll get into later in the show. Um, but let's kind of touch on, on what that means for the Packers yeah. as, they, as they travel to, uh, to Arizona tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's an absolute mess in that uh, receiving room. Uh, Devontae Adams has been uh, ruled out after testing positive for COVID. Um, he is vaccinated, so he could have theoretically cleared the two negative test requirement, but it seems like he hasn't doesn't quite have enough time. So he will not be on the field. And due to close contact, his unvaccinated teammate, Alan Lazard, has also been ruled out. Uh, looks like there was some uh, sliver of hope that uh, Marquez Valdez Scantley was going to be re- able to return from IR in time, but he is now uh, considered very unlikely to play in tonight's matchup. So, very much so, the definition of a mash unit in terms of this receiver room in Green Bay. And we are going to see some very obscure names seeing a lot of run <laughs> in their matchup against the Cardinals tonight. Yeah, and that that'll be interesting to see, and and like I said, we'll get into that more as as we bring in uh, Bob Harris. But uh, let's just move move right along. Uh, you know, obviously we mentioned by Mageddon, uh, so we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention how the league responded to that. Uh, not surprisingly, we saw a big drop in in the average score for the league. Uh, it went from 126 last week or two weeks ago to 111 points this week. Uh, and what I saw at least were, were teams that were very prepared for this week in, as far as, uh, filling in holes, uh, and other teams that well, weren't prepared. Uh, what were some of the matchups 
this week that uh, that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, looking at these circumstances, it's always something that's interesting to track because they they tend to sort of affect everyone equally, right? There are enough teams on by to where almost every team is missing a piece or two. There are certainly some instances where, you know, coupled with injuries, uh, you know, a, a roster or a lineup here or there was absolutely decimated. But there, there are definitely some some good uh, matchups to watch. The the one that jumps off the page immediately was was really our, our matchup of the week. Uh, Troy King, uh, Jen Piacenti, both of them were five and one at the time, squaring off um, and still put up respectable efforts on both ends. They uh, yep. they ended up um, uh, finishing with a one thirty three to one twenty five total. Uh, Jen Piacenti does get the dub. But both of them were able to surpass that 111 average by a pretty good margin. On the other side of the coin, below that margin, I should say, <laughs> um, we saw we saw James Coe and Linda Godfrey face off and put up uh, the lowest point or combined point total of the week, uh, a 110 to 96 victory uh, in, in this case is, is what ultimately got the dub for Linda. Um we did have a relatively close matchup between uh, our former guest, Dave Kluge, and uh, Team Coop. That one was decided by a mere five-point margin. But the, the story for, for me is the one that we brought up last time out, and that's our guy, Scott Engel. Um, here again, we're looking at an incredible margin of victory um, in, in Week 7. This, this week, he, he won by... Uh, by better than 35 points against uh, Team Hallam, and now is very much so vaulting his way up the power rankings uh, in, in terms of the, the context yeah. of the whole league. So uh, definitely had some big performances to finish uh, with 145 points in a week where 110 or so was the average. Um, but now he's very much so changed the trajectory and the outlook for his team for the rest of the year. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, at, at last look, I, I believe he is on top uh, as far as points for. Uh, he is on top of the league in total, not just his division or conference. Uh, so I think he's kind of firing on all cylinders right now. And you know, two blowouts in a row has got to be got to feel good for the team. But you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if he can carry that momentum moving forward and. You know, if he's if he's missing any pieces, because obviously he he did not get affected by the the uh, the Bimageddon that we are so fond of of the term here. Um, but, you know, that being said, with all of these buys and, and injuries, uh, let's talk about some of the waivers that that went on this week. Uh, you know, per the usual, seemed like we had several teams out there looking to bolster their their rosters uh this week it seemed to be pretty heavy towards uh qbs and defenses uh that that's pretty standard uh for especially as as we approach the mid-season uh as we start seeing defenses go on buys and things like that you don't see the value of keeping a, a defense if they're on a bye week uh so that's pretty typical um what I didn't see this week in, in the waiver wire was was too much in the way of bidding wars. Um, seems like we're starting to see teams that that know what they want or need, and everybody kind of has their own path towards it. Um, but that being said, did anything stick out to you this week in, in waivers? 
Yeah, the, there were a couple of things that that did jump out um, in terms of the the biggest spenders that we had out there. You you teed it up perfectly. Um, it very much so fell into the quarterback category. Um, we saw Cooter Doodle go out and spend about a quarter of her budget to acquire the services of Carson Wentz. Um, she is looking at a bye week for her starter, Lamar Jackson, uh, here in week eight. So very much so a consideration of positional need. Um, and she is one of those uh, sort of middling, middle of the pack teams that is on some of an upward trajectory. So, um, you know, getting a win in week eight um, is something that is clearly of priority to her. And she went out and and paid handsomely for it. Um, the the next biggest spender is actually somewhat of a of a sad tale. It is our friend <laughs> once again, Dave Kluge, went out and spent two hundred and twelve dollars, about twenty percent of budget, on Alan Lazard, who was promptly <laughs> ruled out uh, of tonight's matchup. So ultimately, um, you know, it, at least it seems as though Devontae Adams is on track to return in week nine and be available for the rest of the season. So Dave himself has, uh, has likely uh, spent spent big on, on a one-week asset that will not be available for the week that he looked to acquire him. Um, so, you know, certainly a, a, a bit of a head-scratcher. And it was something that we saw across the league, right? That is in the pizza division where James Coe, also threw a dart on um, on the, the the Green Bay uh, passing game and and just how uh, much opportunity it opens up due to COVID. He acquired Equimenius St. Brown for sixty five dollars, mm. who's now in line to see significant playing time. Uh, yep. Moving over to Wings again, same boat. We saw both Alan Lazard uh, acquired by Pod Vader um, and Marquez Valdez Scantling picked up by team Calandro, uh, neither of which are going to be able to, to make it, uh, make it to the field tonight. So, you know, these are, these are the tough luck losses that certainly sting in a given week, but it's also an example of, uh, you know, kind of the, the little bets philosophy, right? Um, you know, they go out and they spend, you know, $49, $97, whatever it might be on a player that if they play has the potential to win them the week. It just, all of them had it break in the wrong direction <laughs> yeah. uh, in in terms of uh, their acquisitions here in, in, in week number eight. Yeah, uh, and we're kind of getting into the doldrums of uh, the, the waiver wire claims process of, you know, it, it's not super exciting, uh, you know, swapping defenses and things like that. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see what these moves mean to these teams moving forward. And you know I, how they how they plug them in as we approach the midpoint of the season, um, and we've kind of seen what what impact the injuries and bye weeks have done to our league members. But Eric, I think it's time we talk about this week's games and and you know maybe get some insight from a, a very special guest. And now we're going to shift gears a little bit and welcome in our esteemed guest. Mr. Bob Harris of the Football Diehards. Bob, thanks for for joining us in this week. Thanks for having me, Eric. John, how's everyone doing today? Oh, pretty good, Bob. Glad to glad to have you here. Uh, you know, first off, thanks for for participating in the charity league this year. Uh, you know, why don't you get us started off by telling us, you know, who you're supporting this year and and why, uh, and and why that that charity is is important to you. 
Gary Sinise Foundation. It's fantastic. Uh, first and foremost, the money all goes to where it's supposed to go, right? And I think that's the thing. You and you go look at Cherry Navigate or whatever, whatever your choice is, you find that a lot of the money goes to the people it's intended to go to. Also, just, you know, not really a personal connection, but um, one of their houses was built very near my parents' house uh, in Tucson, Arizona. I just saw the how the process was working and what all they did and what a big event it was and what it meant to the uh, the person who moved in. So basically, they you know work on housing for disabled vets and and uh, and setting them up you know in something that they can that accommodates them and and they do a wide range of things for veterans: travel, trips, vacations, all kinds of things. So um, it's a great foundation and for people who served us and gave up a hell of a lot, you know. So uh, <laughs> it's it's a big deal, I think. Uh, uh, to pay those people back to the degree we possibly can. Yeah, I really, I really like the uh, the Gary Sinise Foundation. Um, uh, fun fact: when I was in Iraq, he came with his band to yep. play for us. So uh, interesting to see him in a different in a different light there. Right. But uh, yeah, I know he's doing great work for for vets out there. So really, really love that you're supporting them this year. Yeah, what what I uh, what I what I love to hear, and and honestly, what I was indoctrinated in in <clears throat> setting up the the charity league here a few years ago is just how many organizations out there uh, sort of skim off of their donations right. and use that to support um, you know their office staff or whatever it might be. So uh, definitely or- fair to say that that Gary Sinise Foundation is. Uh, is is one of the good ones out there. Right. All the money How many is calls going do you get? You know, unsolicited charities, and you know it's a paid fundraiser making the calls, and that's like such a massive expense, right? And mm-hmm. I'm just going kind of. I'd rather work with charities that like directly and local charities or charities that I know are doing something. So that's one of the really comforting things about uh, this this charity, the Gary Sinise Foundation. Yeah, you've you've got a you've got a keen eye for it. I've I've had uh, several of our of our other participants and pros. Sort of ask ask me to open up the books and you know does all the money go everywhere and um, I mean we we basically are just a go between right we collect right. and hand out to the foundations uh, but definitely something to to keep an eye on um, and something that is is a point of pride for for the Gary Sinise Foundation uh, Bob I I do want to take it back to uh, to this off season when I I reached out and asked if uh, if you would take part of the charity league clearly you so graciously accepted uh, but I, I would I would love to maybe examine Sort of your initial thoughts about the the concept and the format and and what it's been like playing along your co along with your co manager so far. Uh, my initial thought was, oh god, another thing. Um, and uh, <laughs> but but it was a really good thing, right? So I mean, that's kind of the measure. And I'm not great at saying no uh, because I'd rather not, right? I'd rather try to work things out and find time. Uh, and that's where the concept of this all came became a little more interesting to me. And you know in you know, knowing I was going to be working with someone out there, you know, who is also, you know, putting some money into this whole situation and had, you know, I mean, there's a buy in here. So I thought it was a cool idea and uh, hadn't done, you know, anything quite like this before. So I thought it was great. Give it a try. Also, you know, realizing again, you know, bandwidth always an issue with me. Uh, you know, this season is I dialed back a little bit. I'm down to like 29 um, leagues that I have to manage. Oh, and my set God. Lineups every week. So. Um, so I was hoping, uh, my partner in this would be, you know, more than just, you know, you know, riding in the sidecar, right? I mean, you know, do a fair amount of driving and Sean McGinnis is, uh, you know, who joined me in this has done that and, you know, started with the draft 
and on throughout, he's been highly involved or we're in regular contact and, uh, and it's been super helpful and made the whole thing a lot easier. He's a big reason we battled back from a, a rough start and, uh, and, uh, and we're, we're sitting pretty right now or not pretty, but prettier than we were. So, uh, Bob, following up on that, the, the play experience, have there been any times where, where either of you haven't seen eye to eye or any kind of back and forth over setting the lineups or anything None any whatsoever. kind of anecdotal <laughs> that you'd no, like to offer? No, it's like, like, you know, we both have our opinions, and everything, I, you know, I'm asking him to do a lot. So I tend to defer. I'll <laughs> put my piece in. I mean, and he listens. I mean, we listen to each other. It's not like, you know, there's any, you know, like we got to do this, you know, uh, we'll talk it through and send some messages back and forth. And for the most part, I mean, he's a pretty sharp player and we tend to agree on things. So it hasn't been an issue at all. I know in the draft, I went hog wild on the tight ends. Uh, just you can play all you want. And then we were getting to the that part of the draft where there was the value. Uh, it turns out not all of them are as valuable as I thought, but we moved on. And, you know, to, I mean, one of the things he's always got an eye on the waiver wire, right? And he'll get back with me. That's one of my issues, right? It's hard for me to be proactive on the waiver wire. I do a lot of first come first serve waivers uh, every week, you know, uh, <laughs> right. You know, you try to get out there and, you know, I, I set lineups initially on Tuesdays every week and try to see what I need. Also try to play it a week ahead, you know, knowing my limitations on time, you know, on buys and things like that. Have always have a list of what's ahead and what I need to be mindful of. Uh, working with Sean, I don't have to do that as much. He's on top of it. He'll make suggestions and let me know who's available. Ask me what I think a lot of times. And mostly he's handled the bidding. And then we'll, one of us says, you know, we'll set lineups and then both of us will visit it and we'll kind of talk about it before. And like this past week, I know he was traveling. So, you know, I'm on the air with the pregame show leading up to kickoff on Sirius. So, you know, that's always an issue for me as well. Last minute things. I know they're happening because I'm talking about them. Can't always get to uh, make the changes that I'm talking about though. So uh, he's usually done that this past week. He, you know, he said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be traveling. So I just kept the tab open while I was on the show and, you know, made sure we were good. And so um, it's, it's been really been an enjoyable partnership and uh, nice to get to know Sean. He's totally into the, you know, obviously totally into the whole thing and, you know, just a, and a sharp fantasy player. So that's been, you know, like I said, he is the reason we've been, uh, we've risen from the depths. Yeah, you, you definitely have one of the more impressive kind of mid-season surges on your hand. And I, I love hearing these stories. And, and uh, to an extent, I, I think I heard the same thing from your your account where getting the perspective of the everyday player of the Joe is actually a really interesting way to kind of round out the analysis, right? Yeah. Um, as, as experts, you know, it's it's hard to see the forest through the trees sometimes. So having that fresh perspective... Um, is is certainly something that is proving to be helpful as we uh, we navigate our second season. Totally, it's it, and it, it looks like me. We're all inundated on Twitter with you know you know what the questions are and you know what people are interested in what what they want to know about and kind of you know one of the reasons I play in so many leagues is it's a lot easier for me to talk to people and tell them what I would do in situations if I have those situations. And pretty much with that many leagues, I have every situation right. So uh, you know you kind of figure that out, but also you know everything is through my perspective, right? I'm looking at it through my eyes and hearing what Sean's saying. I'm going, Oh, okay. That is uh, you know, I don't know what I would, I don't know that I would have done that, but it's not a bad idea. Let's try that. So, and a lot of them yeah. have worked out quite well. Yeah, it certainly seems like it. I, I do want to uh, shift gears a little bit to uh, sort of the topic of conversation across the football landscape. Um, and it's, it's something that is still technically 
speculation, and that's the rumored Deshaun Watson trade. So, so Bob, uh, you know, how how do you make sense of all this? Uh, how does this potentially impact the fantasy landscape? Uh, you know, depending on whether or not it does or doesn't go down. Uh, so look, I mean, I know a lot of people that, you know, in the industry drafted Watson, you know, very late in drafts just to have him on rosters. If you had kept, you know, if you, and if, I mean, why not, if you have room on a roster, you know, yeah. that's, you know, something to do. Look, I saw people drafting Trey Lance and Justin Fields in the single digit rounds by the time the season was drawing near. And so a last round pick on, you know, Deshaun Watson, a proven top five quarterback, if he plays, uh, so my expectation has been all along, and I'll go back to when the issues first came out, uh, and uh, and and I've I've been ninety ten. He doesn't play this year. Uh, part of that was because not expecting a trade due to the complications of these issues, right? The off field issues. So, and we knew he said he wouldn't didn't want to play for the Texans again. So they seem fine paying him not to play. He needs to get back. I don't know if he wants to get back in the mix. He wants to toll his contract is basically the thing because next year he gets 30 million, you know, salary jumps from 10 to 30 million. So um, I'm thinking he's going to get traded. The, the momentum is building up. And based on what we heard from the owners meeting this week from Roger Goodell, uh, they say they don't have enough to put him on the commissioner's exempt list. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm like old fashioned. I'm uh, you know, it's, we see a lot of issues where, you know, people are angry over players who, for whatever reasons, their perceived reasons why they're not playing or not, you know, the fans' reasons, and a lot of emotional arguments about this, it all boils down to one thing for, from an NFL perspective to me is, you know, when you bring the circus to, to town, you have to be prepared for the clown cars to start circling, right? And yep. that's what's going to happen. And these teams don't like, you know, they don't like distractions, right? Coaches don't like distractions. I think there are some owners in this league that don't care about the distraction. They want to win. And so we'll go with, you know, Stephen Ross clearly is interested in this and is pushing this. David Tepper is an owner for the Panthers who made his money by gambling, who has no interest in being an eight and eight uh, franchise. Right. Or, you know, I mean, he just, that's was his statement last year. He's not interested in being the middle of the pack in a league designed for parody. He doesn't want to be uh, that. So, there are going to be people out there who push for this, and and I get why. I mean, you don't often get an opportunity to add a franchise quarterback uh, heading into his prime uh, with a with almost his entire future ahead of him. So, you know, and obviously glossing over the off field issues because the, I'm talking about fantasy football, right? Right. And yeah. I mean, to diminish these issues at all. They're serious. I take them seriously. I think the league should take them very seriously, uh, and I hope there is some measure of justice for everybody involved. But uh, you know, the uh, standard disclaimer is I'm talking about fantasy football and assessing it from that perspective. And I think any team that lands him, any of the teams that have been mentioned that land him would be better teams with him at quarterback if that's how it works out. Yeah, and important important qualifier to to put out there, right? Um, you know, we we do have to play in the fantasy sandbox when it comes to these sort of things. Um, yeah. For for me, you know, I was uh, 50-50 at best as to whether or not this would happen heading into the year. Um, but the thing that makes me feel like it's more uh, imminent than anything else is just how conflicting and how back and forth the reports are coming out of the two markets involved, right? Oh. It seems like they're doing everything they can in the media to try to leverage against the other one. Well, I mean, clearly this all is coming from the Texans, right? I mean, the, the, right. the start of this all came from the Texans. It's all various Texan beat writers reporting that it's closed, things are happening. <clears throat> and, you know, 
this seems like a logical ploy by the Texans to get other teams interested to try and increase the bidding. All these things make perfect sense. Uh, and then when you, you know, you started hearing the things like, Oh, the, the Tua would, you know, if it goes to Miami, Tua goes to Washington immediately, every Washington reporter got their text, you know, and I think every text was from the same person because they all said BS. And yeah. so, you know, uh, <laughs> This is part of it, right? This is part of the machinations that go on behind the scenes of people putting out stories, uh, trying to increase or their leverage, decrease leverage of the other party, etc. So that's to be expected. And we're going to hear a lot of noise that is absolutely that noise. I think, you know, if you want to focus on the most likely destinations, you look at the teams that have been the most likely destinations all along. That is Miami. <clears throat> and uh, and look, I mean, I, two is coming off a, a fine game with four touchdowns, right? Also, to a... You know, I'll make friends here. Just eyeball test to me. Pop gun arm, right? I mean, you know, I, I know teams were tanking for him. I'm sure there's a great reason for that. I don't watch as much college football as other people. I focus on the NFL. I'm doing NFL while the college teams are playing. So I'm not a big film grinder. So I trust people who do that. And I know people who do that. And, you know, they think he's a great player. And I haven't seen the greatness yet. Perhaps it's the people around him. Uh, but, but also perhaps he's not a great pro quarterback. We've seen this from great college quarterbacks who don't go on to be great pro quarterbacks. So I understand yep. the issues in Miami. And look, if you make a mistake, according to the Arizona Cardinals, it's okay to draft another quarterback in the first round two years in a row, right? And and, and it could work out. <laughs> Seems uh, like it's so, worked out for him. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm a big believer in when you make a mistake, own the mistake, move past the mistake, you know, by correcting it as quickly as you can. And owning, you know, owning the error of your ways and, and moving forward. And, and I think maybe the Miami will be prepared to do that. It seems like. So the latest report is they have a deal in place and they're just waiting for some clarity on whether, you know, the, uh, you know, whether the league is going to, you know, how they're going to act with in, in terms of discipline. And I, that answer is not going to come. So we'll see what happens. So I guess, I guess the overall message from that is, is that that trade is still pending. <laughs> that trade is still pending. Look, we the, the the good news here on all this, you know, on all these these kind of stories, is is that there's a, there's a deadline, right? Well, no, yeah. next Tuesday, uh, you know, the November second, four p.m. Eastern time, it's over, right? Right. And, and so you know, and it's always interesting. You you know, I was I thought it was interesting the Mark Ingram trade kind of came up, and you know, Houston's clearly moving, looking to the future. Uh, shipping him off to uh, to New Orleans, his original team. Uh, Brandon Cook's very happy about that. Uh, Obviously, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you saw his tweet, you know. So, um, man, it's it's you know it's going to be interesting to see what some of the falling pieces are. I think again, it, a franchise quarterback changing teams heading into his prime is a pretty big deal in the NFL. Yeah, and I at, at the same time, I I feel like you know Houston may just be trying to rinse themselves of, of any kind of off the field issues and just kind of reset at that QB position. But, you know, going back to the Mark Ingram trade, uh, it was a little weird. Um, like you said, he's going back to the Saints original team. What kind of implications do you see in that backfield in, in New Orleans now that Ingram is back and, and kind of in the, I guess, twilight of his career, so to speak? Just when we got the Alvin Kamara we've been waiting for. Right. They, they, <laughs> they throw a wrench in the works. I don't know how big a wrench it is, right? I mean, uh, I think we saw pretty effective usage of the pair as a combo in the past. I think we could see that again, except maybe with a lesser dose of Mark Ingram. Also, all yeah. my Philip Lindsay shares are going, oh, 
yes. Uh, all those last round picks I threw at him in best ball. Um, yeah. uh, so not a lot of hope there. That offense is not good, but maybe better with Tyrod Taylor. Um, well, has proven to be better with Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills. Good so on the other side of that, what what do you see the the Texans backfield, I guess, devolving into oh. since they got very little in 2021? Less pieces. Yep. Um, right. So David Johnson, you know, maybe becomes more viable as a flex play. And again, you know, I invested heavily in Philip Lindsay. I talked about it all summer long. It's a free square play, right? You know, one of those guys are getting so cheap that could end up with a role. My feeling was, uh, you know, at the end of the season, if I was sitting here saying, wow, Philip Lindsay was the best running back in Houston uh, when the season's over, I would not be completely surprised. Um, at this point, I might be completely surprised. Also, still within the range of possible outcomes. So, you know, that's <laughs> that's the the nature of the NFL. Something you know we all need to remember about the NFL is uh, it evolves, right? We get caught up in something. We see a thing, right, to start the season or early in the season. We think that's the thing all year. And I'll go back to last year. Tom Brady was the worst deep ball passer in the NFL uh, through what week ten. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't connect on a deep pass. Ended up the season as the best deep ball passer, literally in the NFL, right? Uh, you know, so we see it all the time. Uh, every year, a running back, somebody didn't draft, wins you a title, right? So another thing we see every single year, and I can go back to Nick Goings, Ruben Drones, uh, you know, I mean, we can we can go way back, everybody. So uh, this is a, a normal occurrence. So, uh, so look, it's a bad offense. That's the real problem for everyone involved here. The Texans offense is bad. It's gotten way yeah. worse with Davis Mills in terms of their scoring ability. I think they scored, what, 58 points with Tyrod Taylor the first two weeks they've scored. 30, they haven't scored 40 points in the five games that Davis Mills has been quarterback. And I think some of those points belong to the defense. So, yeah, so it's been, it's been a slog, right? And everyone, so every time I look up and, and start saying, oh, look, uh, Houston, oh, look, Philip Lindsay. And then he fumbles and I go, ah, oh, this is not going to work out well for me. Um, so uh, maybe it will now, but that's, you know, you're just hoping for uh, some clarity and, and, and some thinning of the herd enough so that one of them gets enough work, a, a sufficient workload to be viable. Right now, if I was betting on somebody, it'd be David Johnson. Yeah, it seems like the the trade wins are breaking in David Johnson's favor, right? Um, he's getting more snap share, more opportunity over these uh, recent weeks, and that is moving in the opposite direction for Philip Lindsay. And by by hook or by crook, by by way of Tyrod Taylor or a quarterback to be named later, um, it, it looks like they'll be getting improved QB play and under. You know, somewhat similar circumstance. You know, David Johnson did turn in a RB two caliber performance last year. So um, before before we all scoff and turn up our nose at the mess that is the Texans' offense, um, certainly something to at least keep an eye on as uh, a potential spot to maybe get a little bit of value as we round out yeah, the back keep, half of the keep year. Keep your expectations minimal, but don't overlook yeah. it, right? And that's the thing. Where, you know, you just look at the differential between what went on when Tyrod Taylor was on the field versus what's been going on since he uh, hasn't been. And there's at least some reason for hope. And hope is cheap, so I built myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you, right? Happiness is a is a function of expectation. I think if you if you keep expectations low, um, you're you're certainly better off with regard to these Texans running back. But you, you know, are Mark speaking Ingram, my language, Eric. That, yeah, that is exactly, exactly how life is. Uh, have no expectations. <laughs> you're never disappointed. Only in yourself. Uh, yeah, that's sure. the rule. <laughs> so, uh, oh. so shifting gears to uh, to week eight um, for Thursday night football, we have at least on paper what might be the best Thursday night football matchup of all time. Um, obviously, 
the storyline here is that both Devontae Adams and now officially Alan Lazard um, uh, will be missing the game due to COVID-19 and contact tracing protocols. So this opens up significant opportunity for some of the lesser household, less than household names in the, in the receiving core. Um, you know, of, of this lot of kind of second tier uh, wide receivers, Bob, who do you think maybe separates themselves in, in Thursday night's game? I mean, the initial thought is Randall Cobb just because of the connection. And I think Robert Cunyon and Aaron Jones probably is the guy that makes out the most. I mean, he's the second leading receiver on the team asking him to play a greater role. And maybe the plan all along going into this game was a little run heavier approach. They dialed back on the run last week. We saw less AJ Dillon after a couple of weeks in which he was, he would, he'd become a, a, you know, a regular fixture. And what I had heard heading into last week's game against the football team was that that was, that had been the plan, a, a more robust role for Dillon. And that would be the thing going forward. So you, they go into a game with a short week. Maybe they dial back on that a little bit to preserve them for a heavy week. Try to play keep away from Kyler Murray makes perfect sense. Now that they know, and we now know Devontae Adams did not get clearance to, you know, uh, heading into the game. So, you know, we knew Lazard wasn't going to make it unvaccinated. Uh, Adams had a chance, didn't travel with the team on Wednesday, then apparently has not passed or the necessary test to travel Thursday. So he won't make it. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he made the trip. He's still on IR. They can activate him at some point today. And uh, and make a move. I think they have until later this afternoon to make that move. So he would be someone to keep an eye on. Uh, coming off a hamstring issue, hasn't played for a while. They had him on the practice field, just running, not practicing on Monday. So he's still a possibility. I don't think I'm going to dig too deep in the Equinamia St. Brown, but I mean, somebody's got or Amari Rogers or, or Malik Turner who came off COVID. I mean, somebody there is going to shine, right? There are going to be plays to be made for people. Uh, the interesting thing is the Packers have been really successful. In games without Devontae Adams, I think they're 6-0. and uh, In games he hasn't played, Aaron Rodgers, I think the scoring average has gone from just over 30 points to about 25 points a game, but they've still got the wins. So uh, I'm expecting heavy doses of you know some of the more familiar names, and most, mostly Aaron Jones. You, uh, you heard it here first, Devontae Adams, system-wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> well... Shifting in, I, I think we've got some listener questions I, I, I want to touch on before before we let you go, Bob. Uh, TJ wants us to rate his trade. Looks like he traded T.Y. Hilton for and an 11th round pick for Allen Robinson and a 12th round pick. He wants your thoughts on the trade, but also wants to know what you make of Allen Robinson going forward. And I too want to know <laughs> <laughs> what is going on with Allen Robinson. You'd be hard pressed <laughs> to find somebody more invested in Allen Robinson than me. Drafted him as a wide receiver one in many leagues. Uh, yep. Just based on, you know, look, he, I had issued him the quarterback proof card a couple years ago, right? We've seen him produce with, with anybody. Uh, this is another case where I'd like to remind everyone what is now is not what is at the end of the season. Um, that said, I'm pretty discouraged, right? He's not in yeah. any of my lineups right now. I mean, I have better options and that's, and that's the thing we always talk about over the course of a season that, you know, oh, you play your studs, you give it, well, they're your studs until they're not. And then new studs replace them. And that's what I say. You know, everyone asks me, how long do I stick with my players that I drafted to be my high end plays? Well, until you can't, right. Yeah. And, and mostly when you can't is when somebody is playing better than them. So if for some reason I drafted Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, <clears throat> I've been playing Darnell Mooney for a few weeks, right? Wow. I mean, it just, he's yeah. become better. And, and 
that's the thing. You have to divorce the name from the numbers. And we have a hard time doing that as fantasy managers. You've got to let go of the emotion, right? And you have yep. an emotional investment when you invest in a player. You, I mean, we put in an entire offseason studying and, and understanding the dynamics and what the possible range of outcomes was. And we had a pretty good, again, goes back to the expectations, right? Letting go of those is very difficult. You good fantasy players let go of their, you know, break their own narrative, right? We all tell ourselves a happy story. That's the thing. We tell ourselves a happy story about a player. This is what's going to happen. I know it. It's great. Everything's going to be good. But we have to be ready to break the narrative, divorce ourselves from the narrative. And you have to do that with Allen Robinson at this point. That said, he's not like, you know, that's not a devastating injury. He's got some minor issues. Clearly, this has more to do with the offense than it does with Allen Robinson. Yeah. And uh, calling him quarterback proof uh, seems to be, you know, okay, he might still be quarterback proof, but he's not offensive tackle list proof. And that's yeah. been a problem, right? They can't, <laughs> the, the bears have to go to such lengths to uh, keep Justin Fields from getting killed at this point that, you know, the routes are shorter. The average depth of target shorter. They're not look, ideally they don't have to throw the ball. Right. So, yeah. I mean, these are, these are the, these are the things that, that, that he's dealing with. I still think he's a good long-term play. If I was trading, I think that trade is a great trade. Right. You're you're getting rid of a player at the end of the arc for a player who's early yep. in his arc. And who knows where he'll be playing next year. Right. So and what quarterback he'll be playing with. So I think that's a good trade. I think it's very I, I think the Allen Robinson side makes out on this. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And my opportunity to do so is is limited because like you, I'm heavily invested in Allen Robinson by way of the draft, but in the spots yep. where I'm not, I am trying to go get him for literal pennies on the dollar um, because I, I think that his fate is tied to how this offense evolves in, in Chicago. And I, I think that we, we can expect to see, you know, incremental gains week over. Right. Week, so. the, the problem here is offensive tackles don't grow on trees, right? right. You just yep. can't go out and find guys that are capable of playing that position at a high level. If you don't have those, or if you lose those and that's, that's a big problem. Now you can scheme up and make some adjustments, uh, but it's a very important position. So it's going to be a struggle, I think, this year. And I think it's going to be a limiting factor, uh, you know, more so because I don't know if this coaching staff is capable of coaching their way out of it. I try to remind <laughs> myself that Matt Nagy was uh, NFL coach of the year just a few years ago. And maybe I'm wrong about this, uh, but I don't see signs of it yet. Yeah, I mean, banking on this naggy coaching staff to scheme their way out of a problem might be a losing proposition. <laughs> might be. <laughs> um, but, you know, relative to the cost that you can get Robinson for, um, certainly someone that I'm, I'm targeting for, you know, ancillary pieces and and those those deals are getting through. So uh, like like what you've done for your roster there, TJ, moving on to Chris, um, he's needing a flex spot in a half point PPR and he's asking between Keenan Allen and Daryl Williams and Bob, um, at least, you know, scrolling through, uh, the, the feed, I'm seeing a lot of questions about Keenan Allen or some, you know, fringe starter. Is, is there something that I'm, I'm missing with Keenan Allen? I know that he, he missed practice to get his, uh, to, to get a dental appointment in, but, um, you know, what's, what's going on there? Am, am I maybe a bit too bullish on him or what's your take? Uh, I, I think I share in this with you and someone slapped me down about it recently. And, and, you know, I contended, look, he's still been a solid play, right? It's just, you know, Mike Williams has, you know, the roles have changed a little bit and, and I don't think we're going to see those, you know, 15 plus target games that we've seen, but it's, he's been steadily and steadily producing pretty consistent numbers. That said, if I'm deciding between him and Daryl Williams, I'm going to throw last week's game out as an aberration. I like, you know, 
Uh, so one of my rules of flexology, the first rule of flexology is the feature back over a wide receiver, but it's got to be a true feature back, someone with a true featured role, right? What are we chasing? Opportunities. You can't win unless you have the ball in your hands. Who has the ball in their hands more than a, a true feature back? The quarterback, that's all, right? So, you know, again, don't see a lot of these 15 plus target games, even for the best receivers. It happens, but it's a rarity. Uh, you see a running back, even one that's, you know, sharing to some degree, like the vast majority of them are, your your expectation is 15 touches. Your expectation is closer to 20 touches. I'm going to take those chances. And so I'm probably going to go with Daryl Williams in this one. Um, but I'm not down on Keenan Allen as much as, some, uh, as maybe some other people are. And I think part of that being down on him is just uh, being a little overwhelmed at how effective Mike Williams has been. Yeah, still. <laughs> Uh, well, okay. Next, uh, Devin is wanting to know whether he should start Carson Wentz or Ryan Tannehill this week, and how do you rate them? Uh, so I, I've got them my rankings yet. I work on those. Uh, you know, just they just went up last night, but I haven't dialed them in. I think for me, like I like Wentz. I think so. I'm going to play probably Tannehill in this case, but Wentz is closing in, right? And it's a really great matchup for him. If you know, so I think I rate them both as high end twos right now. Like, you know, first half of the quarterback twos. The thing about Tannehill all along has been his need for efficiency. And part of that efficiency has come from AJ Brown playing extremely well. AJ Brown has started playing extremely well again. I don't think the, you know, even like neither matchup is especially daunting for the passing end of things, right? Yeah. Um, so like I get it. The, the thing I like about Wentz is he's turning into what they expected him to be a big play, a capable of making big plays. And they're asking him to make big plays. I like what's going on there. So wouldn't talk you out of playing Carson Wentz. I'm going to lean Tannehill in this one. Uh, but I do think Wentz is a player on the rise. And by the time the season's over, we're probably playing him a lot more than anyone ever imagined. I have, a, a, I'm really heavily invested in him. But think back the last time he was good. Uh, his play caller was Frank Wright, right? It was that MVP near MVP level season. So, yeah. uh, you know, and the fact that he's come back from the injury issues and everything that he has that he's overcome, I'm really surprised where he's at the injuries to his receiving core. Uh, you know, so I've been very impressed. Uh, having Jonathan Taylor on hand helps him out just like having Derrick yeah. Henry, uh, helps out Ryan Tannehill going to slightly into Tannehill this week, uh, but wouldn't talk you out of the other guy. Yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. I, I do think it's a really tight call. Um, yeah. And I've I, I, I mentioned earlier in the week, uh, nobody has gotten as much love for an almost MVP season as Carson Wentz has. Right. Um, but we're starting to see flashes of it, so certainly yep. reason to be optimistic for the for his outlook for the rest of the year. Um, and and Bob, that uh, that wraps up the uh, the listener questions that were submitted to us. So we're we're gonna uh, get ready to close things out here, and we always want to make it a point to. Uh, offer up some time to our our guests. So um, thank you again for for joining us. Um, if you would, uh, if there's anything you'd like to shout out, or if you'd like to just tell the people where they can find you and your work, uh, that'd be a great way to close this out. Okay, like shout out to you. Great idea, great concept. I'm having a blast. Uh, the Joe's with Pros with Joe's has been phenomenal. Uh, kind of an enjoyable experience, maybe more so than I expected. I don't know that, you know, Good. I didn't expect it to be horrible. Right. I, you know, it wasn't like that. Just, you know, uh, I think I have a great, you know, partner in this in Sean McGinnis. So that helps out an awful lot, but it's such a great idea and, uh, love being part of the, you know, a, the community that we're in that is so intent on giving back, uh, to the degree they do. And I mean, we all know, you know, what goes on out there in this community. So this is another piece of that and happy to be part of it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Football Die Hard. 
You can hear me on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio, SiriusXM NFL Radio. Find me at footballdiehards.com and all that kind of stuff. So go check everything out. I'm sure you'll enjoy it all immensely. As uh, as Bob unfurls his list of places where you can find him, one of the hardest working guys <laughs> out there in the industry. Bob, we we really do appreciate your support. Um, and as you as you mentioned in your your shout out, uh, anyone who's interested in learning more about the work that we do through the charity league. Uh, or the various ways that you can support those efforts. You can follow us on Twitter at proswithjoes, or you can head directly to our website, proswithjoes.com. And this year we are rolling up and proud to be part of the Dr. Roto Network. Um, so if you want to check out um, any of the podcasts, any of the work that we're doing around the, the charity, you can head over to drroto.com and you can find the podcast itself as part of the Dr. Roto Network by searching that in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, as you're there, scroll on down, hit the uh, rate button, hit the subscribe button. Um, definitely helps uh, get the word out about the work that we're doing and really does impact our ability to reach as many people as possible. And with that, we will thank you for another amazing episode of the Pros with Joe's podcast, and we will see you next week. <laughs>